Hey folks, this is Robert Rankin Walker here with Quartz Vines and Dines. Hi, this is Robert Schuler with Melissa's Produce, and you're listening in on Quartz Vines and Dines. How much fun was that when we had Paul Thorne on the show? Oh, it was wonderful. He is such a character. I He's love amazing. Him. Anyway, I'm Tom Plant. She's Cat Ellis, and this is Cords, Vines, and Dines. Yes, and we've been cords, cords, vining, and dining all week, haven't we? <laughs> we have. It's been a heck of a week, and uh, we just have things coming up that are going to make it even better. We had a great time Tuesday with Robert Schuler from Melissa's Produce. Yes. At Spagatini. Keep on and say something else. I get it out. But it was wonderful. We got to go there and meet the uh, owners. The owners and the and, chef. And the chef and the cookbook that they gave us. And we and were entertained. Yeah, we were inter- entertained by DW3. DW3. And they play uh, there every Sunday for their Sunday brunch. But if you want to go there, you better book it three or four weeks in advance because it is sold out every single Sunday. Yeah, I could see why they were awesome. And that place is huge. And they've got a new CD coming yes, out. Yes, which we got an advanced copy of. Yes, we did, along with the cookbook. Yep, the cookbook. We made out like little bandits, <laughs> didn't we? The cookbook is amazing. Just beautiful color photos and uh, recipes and, and kind of inside tips from pe- regulars like Dave Cause and Rick Braun and uh, Mindy Abair and Mindy ha- and her husband have a new uh, sparkling rosé that they uh, just introduced. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's Viva la Musique. Does that sound right? It sounds right, I think. Yeah. I wish we could have tried some of that, but yeah, it was wonderful. Well, I guess food, we'll have to go back for brunch. They uh, I mean, the food was incredible. Yeah, well, it was all from their uh, cookbook. Well, except for the two. Yeah, the cold carrot soup which uh, the chef got from the uh, Thomas Keller and the French Laundry. Is that where he got it? That, yes. Because I want to get that recipe. That uh, was so good. I'll see what I can do. And then the uh, Meyer lemon cheesecake. And when I say it's the best cheesecake I've ever tasted, I'm not kidding. Oh, it was total mouthgasm. Uh, wow, it was amazing. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's again thank our official produce sponsor, Melissa's Produce. Uh, we should be getting a box next week. Uh, next week is the beginning of Hatch Chili Season. You've already picked out your recipe, haven't you? I'm going to do a, a hatch and jalapeno uh, stuffed with uh, shrimp and maybe crab. And also in the shipment is all something extra for me. Some oranges for your sassy orange marmalade. Yes. I, I'm i really excited because um, Chef Steve Beers over at New Life Culinary is going to be in... Uh, the SoCal Chef Open. In the sh- yeah, and he asked me if I could make an orange marmalade to go with one of his sauces. And, of course, I couldn't turn Steve down. He's been such a good friend over the years. So I called up Robert Schuler and he said, sure, I'll send you oranges, no problem. Some uh, navel oranges from Melissa's Produce. Yeah. And you get to taste cotton candy grapes. They should be coming as well. That is going to be very, very interesting. (laughs) Because you do not like cotton candy. No, I don't. I've never been a cotton candy person. But you don't like tomatoes. You say tomato, I say tomato. Let's call well, it <laughs> Yeah, I showed you my cute little tomatoes I'm growing in the back. They're my very cute. yellow pear ones and then my atomic grapes. Atomic grape tomatoes, yep. And I want to get my, I showed you the eggplant. Yes. I just picked your, those your yesterday. Your garden is thriving. So I'll be making something with the eggplant and I just picked another huge zucchini. Oh, good. So I'm going to be out in the kitchen creating new stuff, but I'm anxious to get back. I did the one trial run of the orange marmalade and we do another one and you're going to tweak it tweak it a little bit all right so yeah i'm excited 
Uh, I'm excited about our guest today. We have Visuda Viswaneth. Good. <laughs> Easy for you to or say. Or Viswaneth. Um, Visuda. She lives in New York. Uh, she has published her very first cookbook. I think it came out in January. She, we'll talk about that. And it's called The Vegetarian Reset. And the recipes just, and the, and the photos, wonderful. They're, and they look so easy to make. Yeah. I, um, she, she was talking about doing the zucchini, making zucchini bread. Yeah, she said you can and, just use that as your everyday bread. And so I'm, you know, I've got that, a lot of zucchini, so I'm going to try that bread out, I, maybe today. Yeah. Perfect. Since the weather's a little cooler. Yeah, thank goodness. But uh, she's a delightful woman and uh, really nice to uh, sit down and chat with her. Lifelong vegetarian. Uh, she had a, uh, well, I'll let her tell the story. We're going to get yeah. into that. And then uh, tell us about, uh, I was not here for uh, the second interview. i got to say, I interviewed with, uh, gosh, she's a fantastic singer, songwriter, artist. I mean, this gal can do everything, it seems like. Layla Duncan. Okay. Uh, we did a phone interview with her and her backup musicians, um, Crispin Barrymore and Doug Osborne, and I think she was up near Santa Barbara. Anyway, we the phone uh, conversation we had is a little not the best quality, so I, I'm going to just put that disclaimer in right now. Yeah. But you can still understand her. What I want to do is when they're playing, they play out around Marina del Rey in different areas. When they're out there, we we needed to make a field trip, a road trip. Yeah, sign me, count me in. We'll go out there and uh, and see them because they would be totally worthwhile going to see. She already said I get a front row. We get front Yay. row up there. So uh, yeah, we're definitely going to go out, and we'll. I want to have them back again. Maybe when we go out there to see them, Perfect. we could do another interview. And it, she's going to be doing wonder wonderfully in the next few months. So we're going to get to that. Uh, we're going to get to Vasuda. And then uh, Layla, but before that, I wanted to mention, uh, once again, I'm very excited. I got us another guest. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I sent a text message to my longtime friend, and when I say longtime, I mean at least 25 years. And his name is Bill Payne, and he was one of the founding members and keyboard player for the group Little Feet. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that Little Feet is... Your band. Yeah, that I have literally toured the world with them. I've been to Jamaica, I've been to Australia, New Zealand, and Scandinavia with them. I've been on stage while they're doing concerts. And so I sent Bill a text. He wrote right back and he said, well, Dennis McNally handles all my interviews. So he said, let me let me reach out to him. And within a half an hour, my phone rang and it was Dennis McNally. Now, if you don't know who Dennis McNally is, he just happens to be the official historian and... Um, um, why am I drawing a blank right now? Publicist. Publicist for the Grateful Dead, and he spent more than 20 years with them. He's written a book called What a Long, Strange Trip. So Dennis called me. <laughs> I'm going to try and get him on as a guest, too. So Bill Payne uh, will be visiting with Bill on August 7th, and that will go on the following Sunday. What a groupie you are. <laughs> I am proud of You it. are the longest <laughs> groupie you've gone. How many years now is their biggest groupie? Um well, when they first came out in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, I became an instant fan, and they were, to me, bigger than the Beatles, bigger than, uh, that was my band, and st still is. Good, good, good. Yeah, they're great. I think I saw them one time, way back. Yep. I think they were open for, and I was trying to remember, I kept thinking it was Bob Dylan, but. Possible. I yeah, I can't remember, but I know I've seen them. They didn't do too many openings. They were normally the headliner. I saw them open for the Allman Brothers. Oh, <gasps> my band. <laughs> somebody said after the show, the opener blew the headliner away. So let's get into our interview. With Vasuda. With Vasuda. Well, good afternoon. And uh, Kat and I are very excited to be visiting with uh, Kat's Got the Book, so I can't see your name. <laughs> Vasuda Viswana. Vasuda, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Thank I'm, you. I'm excited. I have been looking over your cookbook, and uh, I'm a I love veggies. I can't say I'm a vegetarian, but I'm close to close to being one. And I really enjoying looking through your cookbook, and everything in there seems so easy to make too. 
Yeah, that's music to my ears. Thank you. And the book isn't exclusively for vegetarians. It's uh, it's for people to fall in love with vegetables. I think. Uh-huh. I'm I'm a confessed carnivore, but uh, your be- the pictures are beautiful and the recipes sound wonderful. I was looking at the uh, celeriac patatas bravas, and that sounds yeah. fabulous. Tell me about that dish. Yes. Oh, that was inspired by uh, a very fun and interesting trip to Ibiza with uh, my husband and some friends. Um, and there isn't a whole lot of vegetarian food that we got over there, but, you know, potatoes of every kind for every meal. Um, <laughs> there was other stuff, but the, the, the potato and bras definitely stood out. Um, and then I got to know celery root or celeriac as, uh, you know, um, a, a, a unique sort of root vegetable that uh, I, I enjoy. It has a slightly sharper taste. Um, and I thought it would work really well with uh, similar spices. So I just used that as a lower carb, higher fiber substitute for potato. And I think it, it actually brings some character to the dish. Well, I love celeriac and celery root, so I, I, I'm going to make this dish. I'm very excited about it. Awesome. I get to sample. Yes, you do. So you, um, <laughs> this is your debut cookbook, and it's incredible, but you uh, went to see the doctor, and you had a little health scare, didn't you, uh, before you wrote the book? That's right. The book was inspired by my own personal health journey, so about, well, just to step back a little bit, all my life I've been vegetarian, and uh, I grew up in India where, you know, culturally a lot of people uh, are vegetarian. And so I grew up with a huge love for food and cooking and really enjoyed, you know, tasting the cuisines of the world once I moved to New York. Um, and we traveled a fair bit as well. Um, so a year, but I've always kind of considered myself healthy and fit, working out, all of that. But a year after I had... Uh, my baby, I had a physical, and my doctor told me that my blood sugar was elevated in the pre-diabetic range. Mm. Um, and, you know, while it wasn't a, a very severe diagnosis, it, it still kind of just served as my own aha moment, because mm-hmm. up until then, I had never even considered that something like that could, could happen, you know, at that age to somebody who was otherwise kind of healthy. And, um, and the doctor said, you know, minimize your rice and pasta and bread. And I just was a bit confused initially thinking, what am I going to eat instead? Because every meal, you know, we construct around these, these grains. And just looking back, um, I think I had fallen into the classic trap that a lot of plant-based eaters tend to fall into, which is centering uh, their plate on refined grains, rice and maize and wheat, and not eating as many vegetables as we think we are, and <laughs> certainly not consuming enough protein, uh, not enough healthy fats. So that was the beginning of my journey into whole foods, uh, minimally processed foods. But then I found that I still needed my flavor and my spices uh, and everything that my tongue and palate had grown to crave. So. Um, that's why I ended up just creating my own recipes based on, you know, the food that inspired me from around the world. Who did your photography? It's just stunning. It is breathtaking. Her name is Alexandra Scheitzman. She's a photographer that lives in uh, New York City. She actually is a recipe developer herself. And, you know, she was just uh, not, not just the best photographer, but also just a great resource to me while making this book. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, now, I saw, I was reading somewhere where subs, well, people have all eat just the salads and, you know, certain veggies, but you need to add in the protein. What, what vegetable do you, in your opinion, gives the best protein? That's a great question. I think, um, non-starchy vegetables, uh, you know, the entire cruciferous family, whether it's cauliflower, broccoli, spinach, Brussels sprouts, uh, pretty much every kind of dark leafy green there is, collards, uh, they all, you know, vegetables are technically carbs, but then they come with so much fiber and so much other good stuff, polyphenols and all of that, um, that the carbs don't really matter. And 
they actually contain a non-trivial amount of protein too. And I think for that list that I gave you, it's at least two two grams of protein for like 100 grams, uh, which you could consider a cup, I guess, which is, you know, when you're having a meal, it, it does add up. And as vegetarians, you kind of need to mix and match protein from different sources. So uh, I always count that as well. Kat and I both love huevos rancheros, and it looks like you have an amazing recipe for it. Yes, I'm proud of that one. Uh, I hope you get to try it. Um, so that recipe, it's, uh, you know, I think it looks and feels like a classic huevos rancheros. The main difference is the tortilla, which uh, I guess is what, if you normally made it at home, you might end up just buying kind of a regular processed all-purpose flour tortilla but um, or a corn tortilla uh, and not really handmade like whole cornmeal or anything like that but kind of processed so that's where I kind of tweaked it a bit and I use uh, a chickpea crepe it's a crepe made out of chickpea flour and it's really easy to make and in this recipe I use it in a bunch of other recipes in the book as well but in this recipe it's fried in like a little bit of olive oil, so it also gets, you know, a touch crunchy. And uh, it serves as a really flavorful base for, mm. for the eggs and the black beans and salsa, which needs to be spicy, of course. Of course. And speaking of spicy, I am a hot and spicy fanatic. What do you have in your book that would uh, tickle my taste buds? Ooh, uh, you know, I think most of the recipes really, let's see. Um, there is a lentil bolognese that uh, you might enjoy. Uh, it's in the pasta and noodle section. Okay. There is a chutney. There is a chutney ramen that I think you should try too. So oh. this is kind of uh, an Indian Japanese oh, wow. recipe, um, inspired by my my trip to Tokyo, um, where we had some really spicy ramen. Um, at, at this uh, really cute restaurant. And uh, and then I realized that I could use, you know, Indian spicy chutney. They're like spicy paste that we use as condiments to flavor the broth too and kind of bring it a different kind of heat. Um, so I experimented with a cilantro chutney, with a tomato chutney, and... It, it just added this really unique overlay of flavor uh, in the broth, which also has miso. So, uh, you know, and you can use as much or as little as you want for the heat. So I, I'd say it's with that one. Kat has a company called Sassy Mamas, and she is the Sassy Mama, and she makes uh, artisan mustards, fruit butters, and chutneys. Chutneys. In fact, I'm making oh, one right wow. now. Oh, wow. I need to check that out. I'm making a... Uh, Currently making a lemon jalapeno chutney right now. That sounds delicious. I'm a sassy mama too. Can I join? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. Um, I'm interested in the different flours that you use, the chickpea and almond flour. And do you, yeah. do you find what using those versus just a regular wheat flour, do you need to add more to your recipe than you normally would, or are they about the same? Uh, that's a good question. I think you use similar amounts as wheat flour, but uh, what changes in the final consistency of the baked good? Um, you'll find that because there's no gluten, there's there's nothing that really makes it rise other than you know adding an agent like baking powder. So the whole the final baked good, whether it's my zucchini bread or the brownies or anything else become a little bit more dense, which is, you know, what I guess real bread was made of like hundreds and thousands of years ago. Right. So um, so you'll find that the end product is hearty and dense, and you can't eat like four slices of my zucchini bread. It's, it's, it's too filling. You can eat like one or two slices, but it keeps you full because there's all that fiber and protein. So, Kat, I'm making the patatas bravas. What are you going to make? I'm looking at this French onion soup right now. I love French onion yeah, soup. And I see that you're using zucchini bread with it. Yes. Yes. Um, I really try to illustrate. So what I really wanted to try to do was provide a few staples in the book. 
you know, like usually different varieties of bread. So the zucchini bread is an example. The chickpea crepes are an example that you could use across a variety of recipes. So the zucchini bread is really versatile because it's a savory zucchini bread. When you think about zucchini bread, it's usually sweet, right? Right. Um, this one is like a savory sandwich bread, and so you can use it anywhere that you use bread, uh, including, and I do this in the book, I make croutons and, and breadcrumbs from it. So it, it works beautifully, and it's gluten-free. Wow. I have, I'm growing a lot of uh, zucchini right now. I'm getting an overabundance. Oh, that's perfect. And so perfect I'm thinking, yeah, I can start. I was trying to figure out all the different things I could make with them, and the zucchini bread is one of them. And that'll be real, that'll be really good. I can't wait to try that. Yeah, it's 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 a great use of the zucchini. I wish I had a green thumb. I currently <laughs> don't. <laughs> well, we congratulate you so much on this lovely book. And uh, do, are you already planning the next one? I am. You know, there's a few ideas uh, that I'm mulling over, but honestly, right now I'm just kind of holding myself back and <laughs> trying to give this book my full attention because it, it was, I mean, the whole thing took two years from right. start to finish. So I uh, just want to give it a little bit more time and, and help people find it and hopefully help them. So, uh, yeah, maybe next year. So, again, the book is called Vegetarian Reset. The Vegetarian Reset. Is it published now, or do we have an advanced copy? No, it's published. It came out in January. Oh, nice. So, uh, it's available everywhere books are sold. We can't thank you enough for your time, Kat. Did you have anything else before well, where we... where can people find the book? The website? People can website? find the book uh, at your local indie bookstore, at uh, Amazon.com, at Barnes & Noble. Uh, and if you would like to order from a bookshop online, you can use bookshop.org. Uh, and you can find me at vhwell.com. That's V like vegetarian, H the number, W-E-L-L.com. It's short for V8 Well. Nice. And uh, that's my handle on social media everywhere as well. Well, it's wonderful. I can't wait to start getting making some of these wonderful recipes in here. I'm really excited. There's 75 low-carb, plant-forward recipes from around the world. So I'm excited for you guys. I hope you enjoy what you try. I, I tell you right now, I'm already enjoying it. Just by reading it, I know I'm going to love everything in there. It's endorsed by Tom and Kat. Music to my ears. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Vasuda. So nice to visit with you. Isn't she delightful, Kat? She really is. And I'm so anxious to get back into her cookbook. And like I said, the cookbook is absolutely beautiful. The photos are great, and her recipes are, some of them use a lot of different herbs and spices and seasonings, but uh, I think it's well worth hunting them down. Um, spice Merchant in Old Town Temecula. There you go. And that, oh, I can't wait. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to do so many of the recipes. Why don't we do, why don't we try something like that, like we do with, with Melissa's produce once a month, maybe our next show or a couple of shows down, let's make a recipe out of her cookbook and report back on it. Sounds good to me. I'll do it. Do you know what time it is? <gasps> it's got to be. Time for the game of food. Oh, God, I just love that game. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to start or do you want to start? Oh, I don't care. Okay, let's get you going with ingredients. Luscious and pricey. Foie gras is made from the fatty liver of this bird. Is it A, a pheasant, B, a chicken, C, a goose, or D, a poussin? Uh, C. Ding, 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 ding. It's goose liver. You are correct. Okay, this one is regional dishes. Thai curries, a wide class of stews called... <laughs> <laughs> K-A-E-N-G-S Okay Made with and without coconut milk First originated in A. South India B. North India C. Thailand Or D. Malaysia Shot in the dark North India C. Thailand Wow, okay, cool Well, okay. it just seemed I was like <laughs> Thai curries yeah, but it could have originated somewhere else. I know. Else it, in there. it was a trick question. All right. Your category is people and pop culture. The score right now is cat one, Tom zero. Okay. 
30 Rocks Liz Lemon Can't Stop Eating a Mexican Snack Made with a Special Secret Ingredient That Her Boss, Jack, Surmises <laughs> Is Responsible for Her Hair's Thickness and Shine. What does the snack's name mean in English? Is it A, Cheesy Blaster, B, Light of the Sun, <laughs> C, Flavor of Loneliness, or D, Taste of the Bowl? Oh, my gosh. What is it that made her hair so luscious? Who? What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll go with uh, D. C, flavor of loneliness. What's that have to do with hair? <laughs> yeah, I take it you were not a 30 Rock fan either. Nope. I didn't. I haven't watched that. Okay. Cooking tools and techniques. All righty. Which vegetable is not part of the holy trinity of Cajun aromatics? A, garlic, B, celery, C, onion, or D, green bell pepper? A, garlic. You're right. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. So we tied. We uh, tied. One each. We tied. We tied. All right. So let's go into our interview, your interview with um, Layla Duncan. Mm-hmm. And, and Crispin Barrymore and Doug Osborne. There you go. I'm very excited uh, to be on the phone with Layla Duncan and Crispin Barrymore and Doug Osborne. And Doug, you and I go back several years. Yes. Uh, I think, I've been on your show a few times. Yeah, and it's been a while, and I'm so glad that we reconnected. I've been following you on Facebook and everything, so it's not like I actually lost touch, but I've been no. following you and seeing what's going on with you and Casey. And then you mentioned to me about Layla, mm -hmm. and then it went into with Layla and then Crispin, and gosh, they're, they're, I really need to get brought up to speed on everybody. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I guess let's go to Layla. Layla, you have such a remarkable voice, and I was reading all about you, about everything that you're doing. I mean, you're not just a singer-songwriter. You are so much more than that. You write poetry, which I guess would kind of go along with songwriting. Um, <laughs> painting, drawing, photography, acting, singing, dancing, is there something, anything that you do not do? I mean, you are so multi-talented. <laughs> Thank you. Just enjoying life. What got you going? I mean, what came first? The, the singing, the writing? Um, what, what got you going, motivated to do all of these things? <laughs> it just all kind of came naturally to you? Yes, it came naturally for me, although I must admit that music and singing had always been my first love. My dad being a singer-songwriter himself, I grew up in a family where I was exposed to that environment. And I ran the drum playing, and then later on the painting, and like you mentioned, poetry is in line with songwriting, so we all came about together. And more now, how did you meet up with Doug and Crispin? Did you, which came first, Doug or Crispin? <laughs> oh, Crispin. Oh, okay. <laughs> I met Crispin Barrymore about eight years ago in a musical gathering in Marina Del Rey, California. And we sort of didn't really spoke within eight years until... I came back recently from the East Coast and we had reconnected because I had wanted to get back into singing and to music and the rest was history. Now we're playing together and then I met Doug a few months back and this band who had asked me to join them to sing a song and of course, long story short, we also decided to collaborate with each other, and all now three of us as a trio. Wow. And, <laughs> so where... As far as... Yes, go ahead, please. Where, where do you perform? All over? Do you travel? you tour? What's going on with yeah. that? You play in Marina... You said Marina Del Rey. That's my old stomping grounds. I grew... I was born in Santa oh, Monica. Really? So I know oh. that area. 
compared to when I was performing alongside the Yenalgada you know, Orchestra in the same year with also hundreds of people backed by the Symphony Orchestra, surprisingly. And you also played it for... Was wonderful. You also played for the Ambassador of Austria? Yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Which I had no idea he was in attendance as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh you mentioned that you had taken some time off. You took, what, 10 years away from music? Yes, just about. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Do you, do you concentrate on your other art or just needed a break? It's more of a, I, I could say it's a combination of both personal and other pursuits. I just felt like I needed a break from music. And next thing I know, it's been 10 years. <laughs> but then, of course, you know, my love of music never left me. It's, it's in the blood. It's in my heart. And it's always spoke to me in my dreams and in my waking hours. I think I get back into music. And so now I'm back. Here I am. <laughs> Was it difficult coming back into it after all that time? Or did it just seem natural and you just flowed right back into it? I would say it's a bit of a challenge to get back into it because it's not easy to find accompanists that are fully committed to their craft and much less, let's say, reliable. And it's hard for me to find exceptional accompanists, such as Kristen Barrymore and Doug Arthur, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so we're all excited to share our our love, our passion with everyone, the community, and whoever uh, interested in partaking in that passion. Oh, I can. I I've known other artists that have taken time off, and they were, you know, pretty much you know, at the height of their career at the time, and then they just kind of stopped for a while, and then they said, well, I'm going back in it, after, you know, after a few years, and expect to be right back where they left off, not realizing that they had to start all over again and work their way back up. So I know how difficult exactly. that would be. Yes, it is quite of an adjustment for me. It reminded me, like, Felicia, they took about 10 years too, right? 10 years break. But it's never too late. Like, when I was um, growing up, partly in Southeast Asia and Hawaii, I was born into an American military family in Southeast Asia, and I never really endeavored to become a singer. And, you know, being an innately bashful little girl that I was, and being, the thought of being on stage terrified me. <laughs> I still get so, terrified. <laughs> yes, and so, in fact, just today, you know what, Kat, I realized that my dad may have secretly tried to groom me to become a singer because when I was about eight or nine years old, he had me practice a song. He had written once, and unbeknownst to me, I found myself without warning, singing in front of hundreds of people. And I would never forget the time when I was on stage, my knees were so shaking, and I could barely breathe because I was so nervous, and I didn't even manage to finish the song. <laughs> <laughs> so since then, I've, I've been so terrified of the stage and performing in front of hundreds of people. But, of course because I love music so much and that it brings me so much joy and love and provides me a sense of relief and relief. Plus, in fact, the fact that I have grown up with my father, at the time he was very ill, and at an early age I realized and saw how music had healed, how it helped my dad go through his pain. So again, that was an important life lesson for me, how powerful music can be, how healing it is, and how much it could truly help humanity relieve us of pain and suffering, which is naturally a part of life after all. So 
I took it upon myself to live the rest of my life in music and yeah. surround myself with myself and share that with everyone. So after coming and back, to, after coming back into it, do you feel that you're a better artist now than you were before, or about the same? I would say, but because I've been rescued, <laughs> I'm slowly getting back into it, but because of the years of experience I've went through, I feel that I've, with wisdom and, uh, I would say, triumph over adversity, have given me more emotions into my songs. It's just a matter of getting back into it more in terms of um, dealing with my nerves, and it's almost like starting over again, in a sense. Right. But I can say I'm better now because I've taken a break for 10 years. So, but look at it in time. <laughs> but in the process, I'm still enjoying myself, especially when they're playing amongst other amazing accompanists such as Kristen and Doug. And the wonderful audience that we have. So, it helps a lot. Um, Jack, I think, I was trying to think, Doug, when you and I first met, and I think it was through mm -hmm. uh, uh, with your wife Susan at Autism Unites. Yes. And I... She's still wor working to some extent with uh, young adults on the autism spectrum. Um, Guy Tao had called me to come out and do interviews and photos at an event, and that's where I met Susan. And she and I started talking, and then she told me about you. And it was such a great event. I remember it, it was like, <clears throat> he was in the Hollywood Hills. And it wasn't long after that that we had you on the show. You came out to Temecula. Yes. And uh, we got to do, at that time, it was just chords and vines. And we were pairing music and wine together. And then after the pandemic, you know, we were kind of <laughs> kind of shut down for a while. Uh, I brought. I know that, that was a great show. I've, I've looked back on those pictures and remember that that was when I released an album of older original stuff, and it actually holds up. It still sounds pretty good. Um, we had so much fun, and I'd like to do that again, maybe sometime in. Gosh, maybe we could get you guys to come out and perform. I, I could ask around and see if we can, you know, get you guys in somewhere, and we could do another interview. So, Doug, um, for some of our listeners that don't remember you being on the show before, why don't you refresh everybody's memory about how you got started in music and your your songwriting, and maybe some of your collaboration with Casey. Well, my mom had a nice piano. My dad was not musical. He taught me bad jokes, but that was about <laughs> it. Um, my, my my mom was a singer in high school. She was singing with big bands. And that all ended when she met this older guy who had come home from the war. And uh, they had my older brother very quickly, so that put uh, an end to her plans. But she kept being musical her whole life. They had a great piano. It was an upright, but I really loved Thinking around on it until they bought an organ, an electronic organ, and I didn't like that at all. So I started playing cello, and by the age of 11, I was the best cellist in the state of Indiana. I was playing first chair, wow. and then my local my local school ended all music education. Oh no! So what is a kid? Was in the, it's the late 60s. He's almost a teenager. What does he do if he played cello for a while? Picks up the guitar. Because he's got to get girls. I was Somehow. just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask you. <laughs> that must have been you, Doug. That must have been me. <laughs> Any other way wouldn't work, so that worked. And it, uh, I should have stuck with cello because I was good and I was already talking to colleges and uh, interlocking and all sorts of things, but it didn't work out that way. I ended up going to college in Boston at Berkeley College of Music. Wow. I don't know if, don't know if Layla and Chris would even know this. I have a degree in composition. That's very impressive. Berkeley, that's for sure. Very <laughs> good. Up next, 
performance, Doug. Yeah, that's right. He's <laughs> <laughs> certainly for guitar, but now we know. <laughs> I, I played, after that ended, I went back to playing a lot of singer-songwriter things and playing in bands in, in Boston. And one kind of uh, harder rock trio that I had, we called it Serious Fun, was a very big success in Boston. We had all sorts of great club gigs and opening acts at theaters for various people. And then I met a woman, and we got married and went to L.A., and my musical career kind of uh, hit the kids. But I didn't give it up at that point. And quite a while later, yes, I, uh, Susan introduced me to Casey, who was a kid who had some stuff on a cassette. And I said, hey, we could make that into some songs. And Casey Fallen ended up to be kind of a success in, in the genre. And we've done two albums. We promise we're going to do some more recording now. Now that uh, COVID's done and everything else, we've got some plans to do new music. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. Oh, no, I wanted to get Casey on the show, too, because he was on our, our show earlier, several years ago as well. And, uh, well, our collaboration is, 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 has always been remote. I'll send him tracks, he'll send me tracks, we'll trade them back and forth, and then I'll end up mixing it. Isn't that amazing what you can do music-wise these days? <laughs> one, of my, yeah. one of my good friends, Jackie Bertoni, is a percussionist. To the, I call him the percussionist to the stars. You know, he's played with the Beach Boys, and, um, oh, God, I mean, he's got... Uh, uh, his, his background is just totally incredible, but he's got MS, and it kind of slowed him down co quite a bit. Mm. But he's still yeah. able at his home. Um, he, he set up his percussion studio, and all these stars still send him their tracks to add in the percussion. And it's just amazing that that you can do that. Uh, recording studios, you know, people are, are doing full albums. Uh, recording on their phones. Yeah, well, it's sad that recording studios get paid the same hourly rate that they did 40 years ago. Wow. And recording engineers, too. Yeah. That business has changed a lot. Well, you know, I'm that, That's one, one reason why I'm enjoying playing with Layla and Crispin is that we're playing live. We're playing together in a room. Um, I'm using a classical guitar um we're all plugged in of course but uh that's what uh, excited me about this um i i too i met them at uh, our mutual friends parties in Rena del rey but we didn't play together much mm. and it was only when layla was asked to sing with this other guy who I was playing country guitar with that wasn't exactly working out for me but when she sang a couple of songs, we looked at each other and said, yeah, this could be something very different. And uh, she called me up and we started playing together. That's great. You're all three playing together. Do you have a name for yourselves or is it just, you know, with Layla? Layla Duncan and band? Yep. In the Layla, yeah. Yeah, Layla Duncan three. Uh, we, we have That's not come up. We have not come up with an official name yet. Not yet. We're open to suggestions, Kat, if you have any, please uh, send it our way. <laughs> Although we have thought of the Christmas part of the clientele, so we can go with that. And or, like you said, Layla Duncan and the trio, but... I think we, Doug, Doug, Layla, and I will come up with something yes. that will be, uh, yes, compelling. You know, there's an AI software uh, website, software and website you could go to, and you could put in saying, "I need a uh, a name for a trio." You know, just give it, and it'll come back with all sorts of things for you. It's amazing. That's great. Yes, because there are genres: bossa nova, jazz, pop. So what bossa nova it is? It's essentially a fusion of samba and jazz. So it's a type of Bossa Nova is a music that evolved in the late 50s, early 60s in the tropical beaches of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, which, by the way, is where my mom is from. Oh. And it 
it's a relaxed ensemble cat. So it's one of my favorite genres and what I inspire to. And the Bossanova is a beautiful celebration of romance and beach culture and sensual pleasures. And it's one of um, the genres that my trio and I are are rooting into some, you know, the last atmosphere so when we perform live, we, we try to take our audience into distant destinations and romantic places and, of course, jazz and pop and, of course, when we perform live, but Kristen and the dog also performs their original pieces, so it's really a fun time. We have a great time on stage and we're so excited to share our passion with everyone. Oh yeah, that that makes it more enjoyable um, to to watch when everybody on stage <laughs> is having a good time. Absolutely. You know that brings a whole audience in. I mean, I've seen people up there; they just play like, "Okay, I'm here, just listen to me." But when they're, you know, like you say, you you're having fun up there, and when you're having fun, everybody else watching you and listening to you having yeah, fun. Yes. <laughs> And also, Kat, if, if I may add, in, when you mentioned that I've dedicated partly um, the song Miss You to my sister's passing, um, part of beginnings also is that, because now I'm also moving forward, so to speak, another beginning of a new chapter of my life without her. So I also dedicate partly that song to my sister. And... One of the things that um, made me want to come back into singing again is partly one is for myself because I love music, and secondly for my family to continue my father's and now my sister's legacy, and thirdly for community. We trio want to share our personal and professional victories and with hopes to hopefully also inspire and uplift community and beyond so one of our 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 goals and purpose to continue to do this yeah music oh that's great i know music is wonderful um doug i was going to tell you too i didn't realize when i was going to do that event with guy tell on autism united Mm -hmm. um that i have an autistic grandson Right. So it's very, that was a very important uh, event for me. I didn't realize till that day what it was about. But he is so into music. Um, I call him my little little music man. I have to take him for oh, live music fix. Well, he's 13 now. And I have to oh. take him uh, for live music all the time. At least once a week, mm-hmm. if not more. And he goes on Facebook, Great. and he looks to see who's playing where and wants to know if we can go. <laughs> and the great thing is the music community out here has embraced him so much and brings him up on stage. And he, too, wants to be a keyboard player or maybe a drummer. He's not sure yet, but he does have good beat, I've got to admit. He does have that. Well, get him playing now. Yeah, he, he's been taking piano lessons, so uh, we're working on, on that. But, yeah, music has been just, you're saying, you know, it's it's sort of a universal language for everybody. And it's healing and it's very medicinal. Um, and I can mm-hmm. see that uh, not just with what I've seen over the years, but also, you know, more closely to me with my grandson. And he just absolutely loves it. And the best thing is his favorite band is the Beatles. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but anyway, I am so glad to uh, to meet with you, e-meet you, so to speak. <laughs> or tele-meet. How about that? Tele-meet. Uh, except for Doug, I have met you and look forward to seeing you again. And every, I'd like to meet everybody in person. So maybe in a couple of months we can get back together again and talk and do, do another interview and see what's happened since then. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us on, Kat. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Oh, well, thank you very much.
Yeah, no, she's she's really a talent. And I can't wait to hear more from her. I like to go see her live. I bet you they're just absolutely fantastic live too. I'm sure they are. And it, it, does the band have a name, or is it just there? In the interview, they were talking about they don't have one yet. I, she was so sweet. She asked me if I had a, any suggestions. <laughs> so I, I, what I did was I went on to after I did the interview, I went on to that um, AI yes, software. Yes, right. And I put in, uh, you know, just give me a band name for, and I just briefly listed. And they came, it came back with I don't know, ten or fifteen different names. And so I sent it over to Doug Osborne. I said, just for curiosity, I did this, and I told him which one I liked, and I can't remember the name now. I said, but this is what came up until you, you know, can figure out what you want. But right now, I think it's just the Layla Duncan trio or okay. something like that. Speaking of AI, I uh, am lucky enough to be beta testing a um, an AI software. I can't say whose it is because it's a non-disclosure thing. But each week, each week you see this thing grow in, in uh, what it's capable of doing. A brief example, without going into details, I was at a wine tasting in Orange County Thursday, and we were talking about a certain vineyard that produces Cabernet and then a certain winery that makes... And, and, there was a little debate among the guys. Well, does this wine have any of the Bextoffer Vineyard? So I typed it into uh, the AI, 
and it went came back with seven or eight paragraphs in about seven seconds and it said no that grape is not in these wines but this wine is known for this and uh, if you want to try wines with that grapes from that vineyard you might enjoy this wine or this wine it just blew my wow. mind mm-hmm. oh that's great I, ai is just incredible isn't it and it's really developing a personality it's, it, it says hello and i you know here's what i think <laughs> I wonder how it, it's scary i keep yeah. it's gonna be hell before we know <laughs> well, open the pod bay door hal We'll, we'll all be controlled by hell here pretty soon. Well, my philosophy is it's it's here whether you like it or not, and I would rather be an early adopter and learn what it is that it does. So. Before it learns all about you and tells you what to do. No, that's fun. So Okay, so we may be uh, dark next Sunday. Yes. But we do have an interview lined up. Uh, there's a book out called On the Rocks, and it's the story of the spectacular rise and devastating fall of a restaurant called prima donna and i believe the restaurant was in ohio but uh, we have the authors and one of the authors is the daughter of the the owner and chef so uh, that's going to be interesting and then coming up in a few weeks we have bill payne founding Mm -hmm. member and keyboard player for little feet and that's i i can tell you from having spent many hours with him uh, that it's going to be a fascinating uh interview and i'll just give you a hint he uh he co-wrote a Doobie Brothers song, but he didn't do it intentionally. Oh. <laughs> they were in the studio when he was just kind of playing around, and a few months later he turned on his radio, and I'll, I'll let him tell the story. It's Plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> I have to see if they gave him writing credits for it. Yeah. Well, that's a, this could be very interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And we've got a bunch of other things coming up, too, is with uh, Robert Rankin-Walker right. and Heyday. Robert's in Croatia. Right now, when he comes back, we're going to be interviewing. We already had him on the show once, but we're going to interview him again. Only this time at a brewery that's putting out, uh, he's working with a brewery on his own beer. Nice. And so we might do a a field trip over to to that. It's local. So we might just do the interview there. Sounds like a plan. And speaking of brewery stuff, to do Aftershock. We have to do Aftershock. I'll have to give him a call. So we're going to finish with... uh, beginnings which we heard a little snip at the beginning of the show and we're going to finish with the song entirety in its entirety so i think we are all good for this week thanks for listening to chords vines and dines and thanks to our official produce sponsor melissa's produce melissa's.com that's a wrap
This is Martha Davis from the Motels, and you're listening to 10 Temecula Entertainment Network.